Blog Talk Radio. Hardy Radio Network and BlogTalkRadio.com. This is Vinny Hardy alongside Terry Brown. What is going on tonight, sir? Not a whole lot, uh, Vinny. I actually was I volunteered at my girls' school today in their watchdog program and uh, had a great time doing that. And, uh, hey, whatever we are paying our teachers, it's not enough. Because <laughs> after just one day, uh, there in elementary school, I was kind of done with it, but uh, but it was a good experience. A watchdog program? Yeah, it is dads of great students. Uh, they started this a couple of years ago here in Louisville and different schools, basically as an initiative to get dads involved in school, because usually when there's volunteers and that kind of thing, it's always the moms that come. So they ask for at least once a year uh, dads to come in, you know, give up that vacation day, give up that uh, personal day, and come in and and hang out. Uh, like I said, today was not my first time. I try to do it about once a month. Uh go and I hang out in the girls' class and I go to lunch. and uh, I mean, I've done it so much over the last couple of years that kids, not even in their class, you know, they knew who I am and that kind of thing. So it's a really good program. Dad of great students. That's all right. That is cool. So y'all had a good day. And this was with your youngest or your oldest or both? Or? Uh, well, both both of them are at the same school, so I was I have to rotate who I have lunch with. Uh, you know, because when you got two, you gotta you gotta split it fairly. So uh, oh, yeah. it just worked out that I'm with the youngest in the morning and I'm usually with the oldest in the afternoon when they do different things and uh, I was able to go outside uh today so like I said it was it was a good day I enjoy when I get a chance uh to do it uh, the girls like it and uh the teachers and administrators are very very uh, appreciative of that and and not just me like I said it's a program uh at the school where we are uh, I want to say that they started this almost three years ago, and I don't think there's been a week they haven't had at least one dad, grandfather, uncle, you know, in the school uh, helping out. It's a really, really great program. That is cool. That is cool. Y'all had a good day, and that's you showing up to being on a regular basis. I mean, the kids are going to remember that. I mean, even – Way on down the road when they're a lot bigger, so I look back and you remember that one time you were at school and this and this and this happened and you know, so that'll definitely be happening right down the road. 
Yeah, and you know, you get a because you know how it is. You ask them how the day went. They don't really capture everything. You know, they're there six, seven hours or whatever. Uh, but actually, to be there and kind of see what they do throughout the day is uh, it's very interesting, and it leads to a little bit more conversation uh, because I kind of know what they're doing in class. You know, stuff we don't see for homework. I can say, you know, how did such and such project work out? So it's very, very nice. That's cool. And since you started off talking about Big Miss and Little Miss, I'm going to just have to pick right up on that because I was going to ask you this anyway at at some point in the show, uh, but I'll just go ahead and segue right into it because I know you heard about it. Everybody in the state of Kentucky heard about it with all the guys going pro last week. You know, Dakari, the Twins, Devin Booker, Lyles, you know, Willie, Carl, all the guys. Um, of course, Devin Booker became kind of like, uh, I don't know, the pretty boy that all the girls liked, you know, of all ages. It didn't matter. Middle school, middle age, high school, older slash elderly type women, everybody was kind of struck on, you know, cute Devin Booker. And I know you heard the phenomenon that has morphed into the linking of his car. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that second part of the question. Because last week, if you if you tuned in last week, uh, you and I were talking a little music. And if you tune into the show regular, you know we talk our UK. And then we branch out into the sports we don't agree on. And then we talk a little music, food. Whatever, we kind of bounce around. We talked food, Larry Vault, and we had Dana Falk on talk food. You and I were talking music last week, you know, with the unfortunate Nelly arrest and the passing of Percy Sledge. But you mentioned that you had to uh, to educate the girls, Big Miss and Little Miss, a little bit because you, you brought out a little bit of new addition, and you told them that, hey, we got to get rid of this Justin Bieber and, and listen to some, some different kind of music. Because when we also know the effect that, Young Bieber has on all the little girls, kind of like New Kids on the Block when you and I were in sixth grade. We saw what our little female classmates used to do back then. Now, let's just pretend Big Miss and Little Miss were 10 years older than they are right now, and they lit Devin Booker's car. What is Dad Terry Brown thinking? Because I don't have daughters, so I just I had to go ahead and just ask you. <laughs> If they had, you know, jumped in the craze, what would be going through your mind? Let me tell you. <laughs> if, if 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 my girls were licking someone's car, I mean, that I, I, I can't even process that because that is just – number one, I don't understand the licking of a car for any reason. But if it was one of my daughters, I mean, that would be a conversation I would never want to have because I don't even know where to begin with that. Why are you licking this car? You know, I don't care if it's, you know, the president's car. Why are you licking this car? I don't I don't get it. And then I think they had some pictures where he was like, that's not even my car. I mean, this is just it's bizarre. It's just a bad look for a, a segment of our fans. Yeah, see, and that's, you know, I I don't have daughters, but I thought about all the fathers of all those daughters, and, I mean, 
you know, I, I get they all swoon over him and all that. It's, it's, it's what it was Jared Poston before. It was Devin. It was Kyle Macy back in '78. It was, I mean, you name the guy. Every every team, every era has got him. And this time it was Devin. It'll be somebody else in the next class and the next class. But I mean, I was like, wow, this is this has happened once, and now it's blowing up. It became like, oh, she did it. Let me do it. Let me let me get in on it. I was like, really? Well, that's how stupid things get started. That's how we get the the bowing, the planking, the whatever. It takes one person to go viral with something, and the next thing you know, you got people lining up to do it. That is true. That is true. And you said another phrase that pays bowing. Let's go ahead and jump on that as he is back in the NFL again as of this second. Uh, in the I'm NFC all about East, the where my David. Cowboys are. Yes, yes, he's up there where my, where my Cowboys will see him twice a year if things continue as they are. Uh, with the Eagles earlier this week, Chip Kelly's brought him in. I mean, I don't know if he's third string, fourth string, or what, but when he is the subject, he gets the coverage. I mean, he is all over ESPN. There were so many, you know, Fox Sports 1 you saw his name being talked about. You saw where he was being teased in the next block of segments of coverage to be talked about again and again and again. Your thoughts on Tim Tebow, hopefully, if it goes well for him, being on a roster for the upcoming football season. Uh, I had to agree with an article uh, I saw on awfulannouncing.com, uh, which is a fantastic website kind of uh, examining uh, sports media. If you just looked at Tim Tebow just as a story on its own, it's a good story. You know he's uh, you know he's he's got the good looks. The ladies like him. He you know he uh, was able to, to compete and win championships at Florida. And uh, he's not your prototypical pro quarterback, but he's still chasing his dream. It's a great story. It really is. But the way ESPN has has run with it has turned a lot of people that I think would have been supporters into enough already. Uh, when you know they've got people set up, I think with the, with the Jets training camp, when it was obvious he was going to be the second or third string quarterback, that is overkill. And I remember the. Uh, uh, sports center they had for his birthday one year where it was all about I mean that's that's too much and and being the kind of organization ESPN is they don't need to do that kind of thing but you know I think it makes for a good story like I said uh, I wish him success I don't wish ill on anyone uh, but as soon as I saw that nugget of information I was like let me not watch ESPN for a while Yeah, and I mean, like you say, you don't wish ill will or anything like that. Um, I mean, the Jets. I mean, that it was going to be hard for that to work because the Jets were a mess. And given his, you know, challenges as trying to succeed as an NFL quarterback, that was the last place he needed to be. You know, where you know, Rex Ryan's not an offensive dude at all. And that it just wasn't gonna work. But then he gets another shot with the Patriots, 
And so, I mean, but that, you know, not able to last there. I mean, Chip Kelly's the offensive guru, and, you know, he sees something or has an idea and wants to carry it out. That's fine. Um, and Tebow is determined and, and, you know, willing to continue to, to try to be a quarterback. I mean, I know he had the success in Denver. He won the playoff game. Um but yet, when Elway had a chance to get Peyton Manning, he got Peyton Manning. And a lot of those games, I know the playoff game over Denver, that was, you know, a game in the 20s, you know, once it was all said and done. But a lot of those games that he won, it was nail biters, grinded out, 10 to 7, 13 10 type games where, you know, he didn't have to put up a lot of points. Um, they they beat Denver in the playoffs. Then the next week they play New England, and it's like forty-one to ten. So, but, you know, when you got to get in a shootout, he wasn't able to do it. As long as the defense can keep you in it, okay, we can grind out and work something out. But I, I, Tom Brady's lighting up the scoreboard. He's not able to go out and match that. If the defense has an off day, he's not able to go out and pick them up. So I just don't know if he will ever go beyond that. And I think. Kind of to me, what you see is what you get. That's what you want. That's fine. But I mean, we'll, we'll see. Well, and, and the, but here's the thing about the uh, about the NFL and, and really sports in general. Um, you can only be a surprise for so long. Like you, you remember when the. Uh, uh, wildcat formation when Miami ran it that one year, uh, and it kind of caught a lot of teams off guard, you know, with the, the whole wildcat and, and this, that, and the other. And then you had some imitators. And it took the defenses about a year to catch up to it. And, and how often do you see it anymore? Uh, you really don't. Uh, because of all the sports, if you're going to be successful, you need a quarterback that can drop back and deliver the football. That's just the way it is. We've seen some great mobile quarterbacks, but they can all throw. That's the thing. And they can throw accurate. And that would be the one thing that Tebow does not appear able to do, and that is throw the ball with any accuracy. I mean, it is what it is. So, uh, I just think if you make him your quarterback, you limit the plays you can run. And and that's just uh, the bottom line. Now, I, can Chip Kelly find a way for him to work? Sure, certainly. But usually you don't win the Super Bowl with gimmicks or with kind of one-trick ponies. You, you need a well-rounded offense, like I said, a quarterback that can deliver the ball. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So yes, uh, definitely going to be the talk of the summer as they move on into OTAs and mandatory camps, and uh, you know things slow down in the summertime. Once the finals are over uh, and it's baseball, it'll be baseball and Eagles camp. It'll be Eagles camp and baseball rather. <laughs> Let me reverse it. <laughs> so as you stated earlier about the. Overkill coverage. It's going to be Eagles camp, and then what's going on in you know MLB. Speaking of MLB, 
Uh, and, you know, I could have – that was a two-way segue almost there. I could have segued, you know, after the finals are over, could have segued and hit NBA playoffs. But, we, you know, I also talk MLB, so let me just go over the MLB route and follow up again on what we talked about last week. Got a lot of backtracking the last week, which is fine because we're on once a week, and sometimes, you know, we might forget to mention something when we were on last time. That's cool. We'll get to it all. Uh, we'll get to U.K. baseball and U.K. softball because uh, both of those are in full midseason swing. We'll talk about that uh, as well. And, of course, the number, as always, is 845 uh, If you want to give us a call, give us a ring right there. Uh, go ahead and give a shout-out to the Radio Wizard. Check him out on Twitter as he is broadcasting our show uh, on his app and on his Ustream. So if we're new and just hitting your ears tonight, uh, hope you're enjoying what you're hearing. If not, bear with us. Hopefully you'll get better. Hopefully you'll like it more or whatever. We'll go from there. Um, but backtracking to MLB, because we talked about you on Twitter last week, T Brown underscore 80. Um, what is the uh, the middle name? What's your handle? What's the adjustment that you made? Uh, that you you know you kind of change it up every now and then. What are we going with right now? Let's let the people know. The the, the middle name right now. I, I went from bad news. Now I'm political. Now it's Rodham. I'm Terry Rodham oh Brown goodness. out there just to uh, just to go a little political uh, with us uh, because right. I don't know if you've seen that that picture that I've tweeted Hillary 2016, but it's uh, Hillary from the Fresh Prince. So <laughs> that, that that is as complicated as my politics will get <laughs> outwardly. So <laughs> and look, who didn't? Love Hillary. Who didn't have a little crush on Hillary when that show came on? I mean, let's just let that be said. Exactly. And her airhead and her airhead self. (laughs) Yeah, she. But she she was in uh, uh, Major Pain with Damon Wayans as his love interest, and then that was it. I mean, I I don't know what happened, but it was one of those. She just disappeared. You know, it wasn't like she was yeah. an adult movie or anything like that. She just disappeared. <laughs> right. right. And then Ashley came along, and she was almost as pretty as Hillary. When she, I was like, wow. As a teenager and, watching the show, she just kind of came out of nowhere. Look, here comes Ashley, too. If she was on some show, I don't know what channel it was on, but she was on some show that wasn't very good. I caught her. But I don't know what happened to Hillary, to be honest with you. I watch Game Show Network every now and then. This that show called The Chase, where the the big six foot eight dude from Britain, he's like a genius, and the contestants go up against him and and try to answer questions and keep their little game piece ahead of him. If they miss and he gets it right, of course he you know he picks up and gains ground on them. If he overtakes them before time runs out, they don't win all the money they built up. You know yada yada yada, and. She was on there. Uh, Ashley, Tatiana Ali was on there, like a celebrity version of the show. She was playing for charity. Along with some other, I don't know what list celebrities you would call them, but I was like, you know, blast from the past. Hadn't seen her in forever, and she was up on Game Show Network a few months ago. So, I don't know. She's still out and about doing stuff, but that was the last time I saw her. And before that, I couldn't tell you when the last time I saw Ashley Banks. Well, this is uh, 
we we haven't touched anything on sports really. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> we haven't touched anything about Kentucky sports, and we're twenty. No, we, that's all right. I know, and I, I'm working back to it. I definitely am. But I started all this. I got off because I, you know, got to ask what the Twitter handle is because you know it's been AP Brown, Final Four Brown, not done Brown. Uh, Bean Brown in homage to Kobe and his father, Joe Jelly Bean Bryant, you know, because you keep everybody on their on their toes. So I had to see what it was. I used to just say what it was, but I thought, well, that's not right. Let me let you tell everybody what it is because it's, it's your handle. So now, <laughs> but as you tweeted last week and maybe a couple weeks ago, since we are in baseball season, you were debating and engaging your followers uh, seeking advice as to what MLB team that you may adopt because you, for all those, the little backstory, Terry is a uh, Montreal Expos fan. We know they became the Washington Nationals, and Terry didn't just hop on board when they transitioned and became the Nationals. You know, got uh, ties to St. Louis and Cincinnati, living there in Louisville, so you're kind of debating, do I you know, hop on the Cardinals bandwagon? Do I hop on the Reds bandwagon? I ask you all of this because, as I'm sure you know, since you're kind of monitoring both teams to see how they will win you over as a fan, both teams played each other this past weekend in between us being on last Wednesday. They played over the weekend. If I'm not mistaken, the Cardinals swept the Cincinnati Reds uh, in the series. Uh, But the big news was your potential – Cincinnati Reds manager Brian Price going off on Monday, kind of upset with the Cincinnati media, dropping 77 F-bombs in four minutes because he felt they were just telling too much of the Reds' business that would put them at an unfair advantage when opponents might know, well, this guy's thumb is hurting or this guy's leaving, so that means another guy's coming in, so we might be sending this guy down. He just got a little wound tight and upset, and I just wanted to know what your thoughts were. You know, the Cardinals swept the Reds. I don't know how that swayed you. The manager is very <laughs> upset for Cincinnati. I don't know how that moves you. They did go out beat uh, beat Milwaukee after this tirade, so I don't know. I don't know how this factors into your evaluation. So I, I got to get the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've got two different minds about his tirade. Uh, the first is you're not gonna. I think – I can't remember who said this way back when, but you can't fight a war of words with somebody that buys ink by the barrel. Uh, I can't remember who that was in the early 20th century. I have to look that up. But you're, you're never going to win fighting the media. Let's just say that. Uh, so, you know, his tirade, however profane, you're, you're, you're just not going to win that battle. Uh, you have to question – you know, somebody going that kind of far off the rails, is he ready to be a big-time manager? Because you have to deal with the media at this level. You know, if you are a coach manager of a professional sports franchise, but you got to deal with the media. However that is, you have to do it. Uh, so I think he totally missed the point uh, of that. That being said, because I've read some media people kind of, you know, taking him to task. Uh, 
and here's the thing about sports media, a lot of sports media think they're more important than they are. Because uh, the media in general, you know, they have to be the watchdog. Uh, you know, they break stories like Watergate. They, you know, let us know about the government, listen to our messages. Well, that's not what sports media is about. These are just games. And, and yes, there's tons of money involved and all this kind of stuff, but you telling me that Joe Smith has a sore shoulder is not Watergate. Let's put that into perspective for a moment. Uh, you know, not to uh, downplay the job that sports writers do, because I think they do humanize the athletes and give you some insight and that kind of thing, but it's not the same kind of media as what the president has to deal with. Um, but as a as a big time manager or even an athlete, you've got to find a way to navigate the media, whether it's Marshawn Lynch and just do the bare minimum and kind of frustrate folks that way, or you know I saw LeBron had a Sunday conversation on ESPN, which must have been his fiftieth or sixtieth. You know, thinking at that at some point. Yeah. What what new information is he telling us? It's the same song and dance. Uh, so, you know, and, and it's that kind of thing. Um, I think that really, honestly, I think as consumers, most people kind of understand coaches are going to give you coach speak about things, and you pretty much have to just, you know, I'm not going to say that they're liars, but you just kind of let them do their thing. You know, because when we look at Cal, John Calipari at UK, I know, you know, no matter what question he's asked, he's going to say what he wants to say. Yeah. I don't need, you know, somebody at the Courier Journal, the Herald Leader, uh, newspapers here in Kentucky, to tell me, well, you know, Cal's just being I, – I get that. I know that. You know, uh, I, that's not a big expose. That's not a big secret that you're you're breaking to me uh, or anything like that. But uh, I, I just think consumers are a little bit more sophisticated than I think some of the media gives us credit for. I know, you know, that they're not going to divulge the serious nature of an injury. I, that's just how it is. They're not going to tell you. Well, you know, LeBron's got a, a hurt ankle because that's that's something that can benefit their opponent. So they're not going to give you the full story. I understand that. I think that's part of the business. It's also part of the media's business to actually get to the truth. I understand that too. So it's one of those kind of odd symbiotic relationships where both uh, groups try to benefit. Yeah, and there's times where – uh, maybe a, a manager, a coach, or something is misquoted, or something taken out of context, and that tension there, and then that puts them on edge to where they just give the basic coach speak, boring, vanilla, you know, exchanges. Um, that takes place. There's also, like you said, with the, you know, masking injuries and things like that, or, or trying to be vague. 
the Patriots are the best. I think sometimes they don't even fill out an injury report. Uh, or, or at best it is, you know, guys are on it that you don't know if they're hurt or not or some guys aren't on it and they are, that kind of thing. Hockey is like the absolute worst. They'll just say that, you know, such and such has a lower body injury, a lower body contusion or something. You don't know if it's left knee, right knee, ankle, shin, thigh, quad, hamstring. You don't know what it is. <laughs> so they they keep opponents, especially in the playoffs, they keep opponents guessing, you know, to the max, to the utmost. Uh, but, yeah, it's all just a little cat and mouse gamesmanship type stuff that happens. That's just, you know, a few examples of it. And I think that the Patriots have listed Tom Brady as questionable, I think, every game going back to, like, 03. I think he's yeah. always questionable, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look that up. But I, I'm pretty sure that he's always listed on there somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. We hope everybody's enjoying the show tonight. As I mentioned, 845-277-9373 is the number. If you want to give us a call, uh, give us a tweet. At Cats Talk Wednesday is the Twitter handle for the show, at Vinny Hardy, at T Brown underscore 80. And also hit the Facebook page, uh, Cats Talk, there, as we got links to the show up on all those fronts and uh, different things we're posting about UK and other sports uh, as well. Let's jump to the case scene for just a moment. The baseball team and softball team, those two sports are. Uh, kind of to the forefront right now, and the baseball team um, is, you know, in full swing most recently, which is definitely news to me living down here, was the fact that as they are right now 23-16 and 16 overall, 8-9 and nine in the SEC, as those weekend battles in the conference are huge. If you can win your series as many as you possibly can, and, and put yourself into the tournament at the end of the year. Uh, but most notably in the, the most recent series in conference for Coach Henderson's Cats was the fact that they swept uh, the Tennessee Vols up in Lexington, which is always good. 5-0, uh, 3-1, and 5-3 on the 16th, 17th, and 18th. And they followed that up with a 6-1 win over Xavier yesterday. And so now they're off until the 24th when they play a series at Florida down in Gainesville. So um, anytime you can sweep Tennessee or beat Tennessee in anything, you know, that's always good with me, especially me living down here outside of Knoxville and dealing with the Vol fans. So that was the latest as far as the schedule for UK goes, and we definitely hope they have a good couple of days off and, can get something going down there in Florida against the Gators. And I'm I'm sending you something uh on the on the Twitter about uh apparently he's no longer Tom Brady's no longer listed that way. Uh but basically for three years he was listed as probable on the injury report. So uh there's an article about that that I was able to locate. So <laughs> Yes, it, it, I just remember it being a thing that he was always on the injury report uh, that way. That is, and that's, I mean, it's, you know, um, I mean, everybody's going to see whether he's hurt or not, or, you know, did he get hurt in the game before? 
So eventually, you know, well, you know, he can expect Brady to be there. And he's pretty much always been there except for the year that he hurt his knee. So they they keep doing this week in and week out, or they kept doing it week in and week out. But, you know, the other team is preparing for Brady if he's going to be there. You know, the coach speaks from the other side, from the Bills or Jets or Dolphins or whoever it is. They're, they're playing and preparing and game planning for Brady. It, I, I remember them doing that, and I was, I mean, I don't know what the point of it was or if they actually really tricked any other teams into thinking Brady wasn't going to be there. That was kind of like, I know you've seen the commercials, you know, people that are, are older or got a little weight and you can get these little shirts that tuck everything in for you, you know, to where you look slimmer yeah. than you are when you're out and about. But what, I'm like, why? I mean, it's like <laughs> you're trying to go on a date or trying to you – know, whoever it is is eventually going to know how you look. All right, unless you just live in this tuck, whatever it is you're tucking, and, and I mean, eventually people are going to know. Just like this with Brady. Eventually they're going to know he's going to play. You know, even if it's Sunday after kickoff and he walks out there on the field, you're going to know. So <laughs> all the little masquerade stuff, I, I mean, it's done. Sometimes you don't know why it's done, but it is done. Sometimes it is just stuff to laugh at, and that was kind of one of those things. It was always funny when he did show up on this. Injury report when he made it through the previous game unscathed. Definitely, definitely. But uh, you know, my whole thing about the the media and and, and coaches, uh, I think, and this is just me personally, if you are doing your job as a, a media uh, sports writer, what have you, and you're just objective in, in doing your job. I think most coaches, most players are okay with that. They understand it comes with it. But if you are going to if but if you're one of these people that is pushing your own agenda and uh taking as many shots as you can, I, I don't think at that point I think it becomes confrontational. Uh because you can tell that at these press conferences, you know, one person asks a question that's one thing, another person kind of ask something, it's a totally different response. Uh, like Cal, he's going to give, uh, you, know, you know, Kyle Tucker at the Courage Journal a different uh, response, and he's going to give Pat Forty, someone who we all know has an axe to grind against Cal. Uh, so that's, I think, where you kind of run into problems is when the, when the writer, the whoever has a has a, has a bias, and I think that that's where people get it uh, when they get upset with the quote unquote media. That's where a lot of it is directed. Right, right. So, um, yeah, you got, and you know, your guy, Brian Price for Reds, I mean, he's not the first guy to blow his top at the media. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a little piece for Bleacher Report, you know, several years ago. Uh, I might have to pull that out and just tweet it. Uh, just some of the most, you know, fun rants that have taken place. Um, and there's been more, of course, since I wrote that. I mean, who can forget, you know, Jim Moore? Playoffs, playoffs. Everybody remembers that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I ranked my number one one uh, back when, you know, the Kansas City Royals were just struggling. They're not the Royals that the kids know now. They went to the World Series last year and, are off to a hot start again this year, but uh, Hal McCray lost it in the locker room 
with a bunch of reporters in his office, and uh, he went off, did a pirouette, was, like, throwing stuff off his desk. One of the guys leaves, and he has, like, blood streaming down his jaw, so, like, he got hit <laughs> with some of the crossfire as he's leaving. Uh, that one ranks up there. Mike Dicka used to snap on people. Uh, there was several of, you know, I think I did 10 or 12 little instances, little dust-ups. So, I mean, you got Brian Price is the latest. He won't be the last. Pretty soon there'll be somebody else that's getting the attention for, for losing it, and it'll kind of take the focus off of him. But, you know, we're just like two weeks into the season. So, yeah, it, and with the way social media and reporting is now, I mean, reporters and, and guys that cover the team do have a lot more access and get stuff quicker and even more than they did back in the day and kind of put stuff out there sometimes before the team does. It's just kind of the way it is now. And sometimes exactly. players, players will put stuff out. They'll, they'll, they'll just declare themselves healthy or declare themselves out without the trainer or the team. You hear that a lot too. Uh and such says he'll be back or such such says he won't play. You know, you, that happens as well. So, I mean, it's just so many more ways for stuff to get out and people to get wind of stuff before the manager, if in his mind, officially makes a statement or states his case on a situation. Yeah, if you're talking about coaching meltdowns, how did you overlook uh, Dennis Green at Arizona about the Bears? <laughs> if you want, they are who we thought they were. I mean, <laughs> But I think yeah. my, my my favorite one, uh, and this involves our beloved Coach Cal when he was at UMass, was John Kenny at Temple. <laughs> Everybody remembers the part where he threatened to kill John Calipari right then and there. But he was on an <laughs> awesome tirade that whole press conference. If you ever see it in its entirety, he was ranting and raving and then Cal happened to, put, like, pop in, and that's when he said, I will kill you. I mean, that is a pretty good blow-up when you actually threaten murder on an opposing coach. Yes, yeah. And and this is young Cal back then. I think Cal's at the podium, and Cheney just kind of, you know, burst in. Yeah, yeah. And that's Cal, what it is. He comes busted in, yes. Cal had to look like, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. His, his look on his face is like he's keeping it cool because he just can't believe that Cheney is just that beside himself about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that was a classic one, too. Uh, so yeah, I'll tweet out those. I'll send that out, and if y'all want to give it a read and disagree with the few I put in there, feel free. It's all part of the fun. We can take us a little quick break, too, because we, in about 20 minutes, uh, I tweeted it out, if you saw us on Twitter, um, tweeted it out yesterday. Uh, we will have a guest at 7, Eric Vincent, a man of many hats. He's from Detroit, right from Bleacher Report. Uh, he's on two different radio stations for sports up there in the Detroit area, 1130 AM, 95.5 FM. We'll have him on at about 7 just kind of talk about the pulse of what's going on in Detroit sports-wise. You know, Lions, Pistons, uh, Michigan, the Red Wings, um, 
that whole thing, just kind of get the vibe. We do that from time to time. We've had guys on from Philadelphia, Michael Tillery, Ron Glover, and uh, they'll drop knowledge about what's going on in their respective cities, and then we can just kind of get their insights on the sports scene in general because they are like us. They watch everything. They're NBA guys. They're NFL guys. They like watching it all and keeping up with it all. We'll ask some stuff, city-specific stuff, and then, you know, talk NBA playoffs and, and stuff like that as well. Looking forward to having Eric on. This will be his first time on the show. Um, but he cranks out crazy good content for Bleacher Report, uh, hosting shows, various different shows up there in Detroit. So uh, that's going to be fun when Eric joins us in about about 20 minutes from now. We'll catch us a little quick break, catch our breath real quick, jump back into some more stuff. Guys talk about UK softball and what they're doing, uh, NBA playoffs, Tons of stuff to get to as you're listening to Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Hey 
Welcome back to Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Coming back to that Malice and Mario, our peeps who came on the show the first of the year. And when they come east, definitely going to check them out if they make it this way and do some shows or if I make it out to Seattle at some point, catch them for some shows. Appreciate them, as always. Looking forward to Eric Vincent in about 14 minutes. Get his insights on Detroit, all things Pistons, Lions, Tigers, Red Wings, Michigan Wolverines, Spartans, whatever he wants to talk about. We'll get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs because we know he's got his eye on that as well. Um, we tease what we're going to check up on UK softball, kind of update what they're doing because we have been basketball heavy for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, naturally being UK guys like we are in the season that they just had. Uh, that was the primary focus. Of course, football, spring practice, and all that was taking place and hadn't talked about that much. The renovation of Commonwealth were rolling along too. Um, Coach Lawson and the softball team are currently 28 and 17, taking it on the chin in the SEC a little bit. They're 5 and 13 in the conference. Um, but um, overall, got a winning record. They just will be playing Western Kentucky. Let's be playing them today. Um, lost to Louisville yesterday, eight to nothing, um, and lost two out of three in their last series to South Carolina at home. Um, the last one like a doubleheader, seven to six in eleven innings. That was a tough one to swallow. Um, the SEC tournament is right around the corner for the ladies as they have a series to uh, Georgia at home at Tennessee for three, and then it's conference tournament time down in Baton Rouge. So the season is flying by baseball and softball because, uh, I mean, April is almost gone already. This, as always, the years fly by. We're already almost four months into 2015, TV. So it never stops. Never stops. Um, so that's kind of the latest little update on UK baseball and softball. We threw out the question. TB threw it out there on our Cats Talk Twitter page. Uh, favorite rant. And uh, Michelle threw out the, the Bobby Knight stuff. Uh, you know, being the condescending jerk that he is. The uh, game face press conference was was one that everybody remembers in addition to him throwing the chair, but uh, where he contorted his face all up, you know, trying to ask what is a game face? What what do people mean by that? What is that? Um, so that was a good one. Um, TB, you tweeting out the <laughs> I'll send the goon. <laughs> no, that boy good tweets. At you and the show, I'll send the goon. Um, Mike Gundy, Heather Walter is talking about Mike Gundy, which is come after me. I'm a man. I'm forty. The whole, you know, 
make fun of a kid because he's fat. That is epic as well. Um, lots of lots of feedback on the favorite rants because I mean they are they are funny. Uh, in the moment, frustration levels just come out for various different reasons, and you get the sound bites that you get. Uh, so, like I said, Brian Price is the latest, but there'll definitely be more of that in the future. So, uh, have you decided on a team yet, TB? St. Louis, Cincinnati. Have you have you decided? Are you still, you know, flipping a coin? What, what's the status on that? Is that TB? Oh, have we lost TB? I'm here. Oh, okay. I thought my phone was tripping, and, uh, which it has been prone to do, known to do. But uh, had you um, leaned any particular way, Cincinnati, St. Louis? Or are you going to ride it out for a few more weeks? Are you going to roll to the All-Star I, break? Or? I, I haven't. I just need to go and just pick an obs- one of the obscure, forgotten about teams and just, and just roll with it like that. I think that's that's kind of why I jumped on the Expos in the first place. So I'm just going to jump on a team and just go from there, and just become just become diehard that team. Uh, wow. One of my other teams, because I've got jerseys and hats for the St. Louis Browns, the old uh, baseball team, and uh, they actually moved and became the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, so uh, yeah, I've got all my favorite teams no longer exist when it comes to baseball. <laughs> But the weirdest thing is the the Browns and the Cardinals, both of St. Louis, the only World Series played in the same uh, stadium. Uh, believe it or not, just a little weird tier, tidbit uh, of information there. They One of the World Series, they played in the same stadium. But uh, as far as finding a team, I'm, I'm still out there looking. I'm, I'm not quite a man. I'm not quite 40. So uh, I've got a little bit of time to figure that out. <laughs> and, and Meisterberger uh, sends this one. I had to research Lee. Let me get this right. Lee Elias, Chicago Cubs manager, apparently went on a pretty profane tirade back in 1983. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so there's some there's some good ones out there. I'm sure we're overlooking some, but that was a nice oh, one yeah. to kind of generate some 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 good talking. You said Meister Mark Berger? Yeah. Wow, see, he that's how you roll. Look at that. Yeah. Lee Elias. And that's what I'm looking at right now on Deadspin. Uh, I don't know if – I think it's not safe for work, but uh, apparently it was pretty profane. <laughs> that's how you roll. Appreciate Mr. Berger sending in a tweet. Host of Sunday AM Sports Talk on 630 AM in Lexington where he has the legend Larry Vault, Anthony White, and a host of other big-time Kentucky legends, media, and players every Sunday. So let's say, check him out giving TB a tweet. Appreciate that. I always enjoy listening to them on Sundays when I can. Um, that's good stuff right there. And he went deep in the archives, too, went in the vault. But that's how he yeah. rose, though. That's how Mark rose. <laughs> I think they call him old, but uh, we'll let that slide. No, what? no. He's going to flip it on me and give me on his bad side just like that. And I, 
<laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. And uh, I did not imply what Terry insinuated. That's not how it was supposed to go down. <laughs> you got any soapbox stuff? Sometimes the soapbox just kind of sneaks up on people. You got to have your head on the swivel because Terry will get on the soapbox and talk about, you know, something that might be on his chest or something he needs to just speak his uh, teeth on, you know, things like that. No, sometimes it's planned, sometimes it's, we'll tease it, sometimes it just, bam, it happens. And if you listen to the show, you know that's the case as well. Nothing really has jumped out at me. Uh, my most recent piece was just basically uh, kind of what we're all seeing, even though uh, the Pelicans and AD are down 0-2, he is still, he is still that dude's status, Uh when you just look at the numbers he's putting up and the progression that the uh, Pelicans have made without, like, another like – he's, he's a Batman without a Robin right now. Uh, if he just had somebody on the perimeter that could strike fear in the heart of opponents, my goodness. Uh, because when you watch uh, the Pelicans, they still don't run a lot of stuff specifically – for Anthony Davis. He still gets a lot of his stuff on kind of broken plays and just being the phenomenal athlete that he is. But if he can get to a point where he actually had some offensive sets and just had just somebody to strike a little bit of fear in the defense from the perimeter, my goodness, uh, led the league in, in blocks, fourth in points, uh, up there in rebounds, just – and, and here's another thing about that. When you look at his numbers, uh, DeMarcus Cousins' numbers aren't that far off as far as scoring and, and, and rebounding. Uh, but I, I think what makes Anthony Davis so special, and there's an article I found uh, actually linking him kind of to Bill Russell, is he does not need the ball to dominate. And that's what kind of sets him apart from other stars is that, he doesn't need the ball to be dominant at both ends of the court. You know, he can rebound, he can block, he can do a lot of things. And, and plus, he still has that ability to guard on the perimeter. Uh, not as much as, as when he was in Lexington, but he's still versatile enough uh, where he doesn't get burned on the pick and roll uh, like other big men. But uh, he is a season or two away from being that dude in the NBA. And you know, as Kentucky fans, it's been a while since we've had a, an NBA that dude. I mean, it's it's where the you know the best player in the league is a Kentucky guy. It's it, it's been a while, if 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 ever, where you can say, hey, that Kentucky guy, he is he's the dude. Um, and and you say that, and then you look at John Wall who went for twenty six points and seventeen assists uh, last night. Uh, beating the Raptors, and uh, you look at see who was out there for crunch time for the Raptors, and you got Patrick Patterson and Chuck Hayes, who I think two of the, if you had uh, an all-heart team uh, in Kentucky history, those guys would be on it. Uh, so it's good watching the playoffs and seeing all of the uh, Kentucky guys out there. Uh, it's going to be even better. Uh you know, once Cousins can get uh, into the playoffs and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, yeah. And 
like you said, AD just needs a, a few more pieces, complimentary pieces around him. Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans are good, some good players. Um, we'll see if he gets those pieces in New Orleans or uh, what he does. We have, we talked about it. Will he continue to be a Pelican? Uh, will he move to a bigger market? Um, we'll see how it plays out, you know, and how the team is built and structured. And if they try to make sure that there's, you know, good talent around him as they continue to build. Big step making the playoffs this year. Uh, we chronicled that for weeks as the season wound down. As you know, the Pelicans and Thunder were battling it out uh, week in and week out. Both teams won to get in. The Pelicans beat the Spurs. Uh, the Thunder beat Minnesota, but you know New Orleans had that tiebreaker, so that's why they're playing Golden State. Uh, we talked about what it meant for a big-time franchise player to lead his team into the playoffs, and now he can say that he's done that, and we'll definitely see him, you know, make multiple trips to the playoffs uh, if all goes well for him. Um, so we'll see how. And I mean, they play tough. We'll see how they do in their first home game against Steph Curry and the um, Golden State Warriors too. Maybe they can still one at home. Uh, haven't quite been able to get over the hump there in Oakland against the top seeded Warriors. Looking for uh, Eric Vincent to come on here in a few minutes. Big time NBA news too was Scott Brooks being let go today. Parting ways was the term they used with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they still had a lot of talent. Still a good team. They just felt the need to make a move. There's rumors that they're trying to get Billy Donovan. There's Kevin Ollie's name being floated around out there. Um, my cousin is a huge Thunder fan. He goes all the way back to the Seattle Sonics days, back to Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Dallas Shrimp, Hersey Hawkins, you know, Sam Perkins, all those guys when they were out there. Uh, he followed them through the – Rough times when they were in Oklahoma City leading up to getting Kevin Durant. And even when Durant was playing a little bit in Seattle before they moved to OKC, um, built a team around Westbrook and Durant. Now that, you know, they were the two centerpieces and made it to, to the finals. And James Harden was there. Uh, got knocked out in the playoffs, didn't get to the finals again. And this year they were just torn up by injuries from start to finish and still finished tied record-wise for the eighth seed. But, you know, of course, the Pelicans had a tiebreaker. So they weren't in the playoffs this year. Um, if everybody's healthy all year, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe they still make a move. If, they, if they're if they out of the way healthy and, say, losing the second round, maybe they part ways anyway. But uh, that was the big news of the afternoon in the NBA. And there's already reports of saying the Nuggets – and I forget the other team that might be trying to talk with Scott Brooks. So it looks like he's going to land on his feet. Yeah, and, and, our... and that's that's. Uh, I don't think that's surprising because, uh, as we've talked before, your your championship window doesn't stay open all that long uh, in any sport at any level. So. If you think you can get someone that can take 
the talent you have. Because uh, if everyone says, you know, with the healthy Durant, he's, you know, number two, at least number one, you know, in the uh, – then you should expect a, another run to the to the finals. Uh, also interesting on the NBA front, uh, Coach Rick Carlisle of the Dallas Mavericks uh, says that he does not expect Rajon Rondo to wear a Mavs uniform again. Uh, so it seems like he's worn out his welcome in two uh, NBA cities. Um, yeah. And I know he's a Kentucky guy, uh, but as far as Kentucky guys, I always just kind of thought he was, yeah, he was a Kentucky guy, but, but not really. Like, I don't know that many people that are, that get warm and fuzzy when you talk about Rondo's time uh, in Lexington. You know, when we would rattle off, uh, you know, stars, you know, Tayshawn and Chuck Hayes and, and even Ozzy Ma- you almost, almost always forgot about Rondo as being a U.K. guy because he just, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just me, but that's kind of my perception. It's like he is, but he isn't, you know. Yeah. And I was, I'm debating if I was going to write a little piece about it or not. Of course, you know, me being a Rockets fan, I love sitting the Mavericks lose. Hate seeing it in this abrupt for him, uh, if that's the case. But we'll get on that and more because, as mentioned, our guest is on the line. He's coming to us from the city of Detroit, Michigan. This man does tons of stuff in the world of sports, writes a Bleacher Report. He is on 11. 30 a.m. WDFN in Detroit, as well as 95.5 FM in Detroit. He's everywhere. We're talking about none other than Mr. Eric Vincent hopping on with us for the first time on Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry. E, you on with Vinny and Terry Brown. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, hey, what's going on, fellas? Appreciate you having me on here today. How's everything? Doing very well. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Appreciate you taking the time to hop on our little show tonight, man. Um, of course, we're going to get back to the NBA playoffs and stuff, but you being in Detroit, you know, from time to time we'll get guys on from different cities, just kind of get that little pulse of the city, you know, get guys to drop a little knowledge about what's happening in the world of sports in that city from your eyes and things of that nature. So I uh, wanted to do that and um, – and then, of course, hit the NBA playoffs and all that as far as the going zone. My first question for you, and I know Terry will jump in with some questions too. On the outside looking in, it's like the Detroit's got a lot of things to kind of be paying attention to right now. And I just wonder what is everybody watching the most? I mean, the Spartans are just coming off the Final Four. You know, teams, there's people still buzzing about that. The Tigers are 11 and 3 in the AL Central, battling out with Kansas City. Is everybody fired up about that? You got Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. Um, you got the Lions coming off a playoff run. You got the Red Wings in the playoffs. You know, what is kind of getting the most attention out of all the things that are going on in Detroit right now? Well, everyone, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the big fish as far as sports go in Detroit, you know, it's the Lions. Uh, the Tigers, and then after that it falls the Red Wings. But when it's playoff time in hockey, that's what everybody's focused on. Right now people are really buzzing about what's going on with the Red Wings. You know, they're they're the underdogs coming into this playoff series. So, you know, to be up 2-1 right now 
against the uh, against the against Tampa Bay is pretty uh, impressive for this team. You know, Babcock's making a lot of the right adjustments uh, going forward, game by game. Uh, goalie's playing very well, playing you know some of the best games of his entire career thus far, and you know it's. It's good to see that vibe right now. Also, as you mentioned, the Tigers playing extremely well. You know, started off undefeated uh, for the first, what, seven, eight games. Um, you know, swept out two teams for the division. Now they're 11-3. You know, they're getting great hitting and great defense from the heart of their rotation, from the leadoff hitter all the way down to everything around the sixth or seventh spot. You know, it's a lot to be proud of with this team. You know, the Tigers – at first, we weren't really even sure what to think of with this team, you know, after dealing away uh, Rick Porcello for Cespedes, um, you know, Cabrera adding on one more age to his year, uh, in his career, you know, getting older doesn't help. Same thing with Martinez. He's not that healthy. So we weren't really sure what to uh, expect with this team. But, you know, seeing how they're playing right now, we're very impressed. Even as far as the Pistons go, there's a lot of optimism all over the place in Detroit. You know, the Pistons – you know, they didn't end on a great note, but looking forward with Stan Van Gundy and the pieces that they got together, everything's looking good right now for this team. And, and of course, we kind of keep our eye on Detroit, too. Being, you know, Kentucky fans, Terry and I, there's a lot of Kentucky guys in the league. You know, Jody Meeks is up there. Brandon Knight was up there before being traded. So uh, we kind of keep mm-hmm. our eye and just rove around and, and check out what the Kentucky mm-hmm. guys are doing on these different teams. And, and hey, Sean. And Tayshawn, yes. you got to go back a little bit. Yep. Yes. Yep. Old faithful Tayshawn. He, uh, we just, uh, he might be doing his final year as a Piston. Um, you know, he got a pretty good reception his last few games at the Palace. You know, it was pretty good to see him, you know, wrap up his career with all the great things he's done at the NBA as a Detroit Piston. And even the stuff he did in Kentucky, you know, he was a very important piece. You know, you guys have built some impressive, impressive history with the players you got, especially in the playoffs right now. You got. Uh, John Wall doing his thing, you know. Uh, pretty much everybody in Kentucky doing pretty well, except for that Rajon Rondo guy in Dallas, looking like a complete shell of himself right now. Yeah, yeah we we yeah. touched on that before you came on, and uh, yeah, I would always say he's my, and I hate to say it, but maybe my least favorite Kentucky player. He's like the the one guy you can't really put your arms around. It's not that he's done anything off the court or anything like that, but just personality, you just – he doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies like a lot of the other players do. Nah, it was – it is disappointing to see Josh Smith, of all people, have more assists than Ray John Rondo last night against the Houston Rockets. He, he completely took his entire swag that game. I couldn't believe what I was watching. You could tell, you know, by the eight-second violation of him walking up the ball – up the court, Man. you know, the terrible pass he threw um, on the two-on-two on two, two break. You know, Rondo just didn't look engaged at all. He only played nine minutes. He had four fouls, got a tech, you know, tussling around with James Harden. You know, what I think has really been messing around with his head, like I put a lot of blame on Rondo and how he plays his game. But, you know, I don't think he fits with what's going on with Rick Carlisle. Carlisle, it's his team. He likes drawing up plays and, you know, kind of being the orchestrator of what goes on with the Mavericks. But Rondo has been kind of just an improv guy. You know, he tries. He makes things happen. He's not really a, you know, call-to-play coach and I'm running. He likes to do things his way as a facilitator, and it's just not working well with him in Dallas. I don't see him being back next year. And he's cost himself, I think, a lot of money in free agency as well. 
Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm a Rockets fan. I mean, that's you know personally, and so it's good to see former Piston. I know it, you hate to see it, but former Piston, Josh Smith, Jay Smooth, do what he did last night. But oh, at the same time, I, like I said, I hate <laughs> I hate seeing Rondo just just flame out like that. Supposedly out indefinitely with a back injury. It's what the latest is as far as him and the Mavericks with this series with Houston is going. But, yeah, I wish it would have ended at least with him competing and, and at least trying to be in harmony with Carlisle. But those guys have been knocking heads pretty much since he got into town. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to watch, man, because Rondo, he could be. I still think – I tweeted this a little while ago. You know, Rondo's still one of the best passing point guards in the NBA, but his game hasn't evolved much in his career. You know, he's still a great passer, but he's, you know, back in his days at Boston, he was shooting 30% behind the free throw line. And that's, that's horrible. That's horrendous for a point guard. 30% behind the free throw line, doesn't have a consistent jump shot. You know, he's struggling to find his offense in any stretch outside of just passing. And it, I don't understand it. And as the NBA evolves, you see guys like John Wall, Russell Westbrook, uh, Damian Lillard. These guys can create their shots, and they can get to the racket score. Even a Chris Paul, he's a great facilitating guard, but he can find his shot, and he can take over in the fourth quarter when need be. Rondo has never really been that guy, and as we looked at him coming in Dallas, we thought he was going to be the missing piece of that team, and it's been completely the opposite of that. Berea's played way better than him, but you can't rely on a guy like Berea. You know, he's only 5'6" more of a role-playing, yeah. spark-plug, energy kind of guy. You know, Rondo's going to have to find, his, find himself a new location. I, I, I see him in L.A. come next season with Kobe. Yeah, that's, that's there you go, TV. Playing for your Lakers, possibly, reportedly, allegedly. Yeah. And enjoy. <laughs> enjoy that, man. <laughs> yeah. Man, let me go right back to, to baseball real quick, uh, Eric. We're on with Eric Vincent, uh, 11.30 a.m. WDFN in Detroit, 95.5 Surf FM in Detroit as well. Um, both the Royals and the Tigers are 11-3, and three, both mm-hmm. already on April the 2nd. April 22nd have a five-game lead in that division. They're the only two teams above 500. Is the AL Central a two-team race? Is it just Detroit and Kansas City? And everybody else is just playing out the string already. Or can can Chicago, Cleveland, Minnesota make some kind of run? I mean, it's a long season. You know, they got plenty of time. I, I wouldn't even count the Indians out. You know, bringing in Francona. You know, their their pitching staff has gotten a little bit better. Um, but as of right now, yeah, the Tigers are still. I think the powerhouses of that division. You know. Year after year, the, the Tigers have been, you know, shuffling around their lineup and moving players around, you know, when they brought in Prince Fielder, when they moved Prince Fielder for Kinsler, you know, always a talk about, you know, is Dombrowski making the right move? And, you know, they haven't reached what their ultimate goal is, which is ultimately a World Series, but they still come out and play, you know, elite baseball. You know, you see David Price, who looks like he's back in his Cy Young form. We're going to see him a little bit later tonight against the uh, – against the uh, Yankees. Actually, I think it's tipping off right now. Um, you know, he's finally back in his form. All they got to do is get Justin Verlander back, who's been battling an injury, you know, since opening day. Uh, they need to get him back in the rotation. But, yeah, right now I would say this is the Tigers' division to lose because, you know, nobody else I don't think is on their level. From top to bottom, I think the Tigers have, as of right now, the most dominant batting lineup in baseball. You know, 
I, I think, you know, guys like uh, Cespedes is coming in, showing in his power. Uh, Cabrera still in elite, uh, elite form, you know, same with Martinez. J.D. Martinez playing well. Ian Kinsler. And then you, the two leadoff batters, Raji Davis and Anthony Goes, have played very well, especially Goes coming into his first year. They stay on base, which is prime for guys like Victor Martinez and Miguel Cabrera because they need to be driving those guys in to get their triple-digit RBI seasons that they're accustomed to having. So this is definitely the Tigers' season uh, as far as the division goes. Where they go past that is yet to be determined. They still got a lot of work to do. How over-the-top crazy is the hype now that former Michigan man and alum Jim Harbaugh is back in town? Is everybody kind of kind of just playing it cool and 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 tempering oh expectations, man. or is it just already man. ridiculous? Man, I was just in Ann Arbor uh, about two weeks ago. It, it, the Harbaugh fever is is popping, man. You would think Jesus has finally <laughs> come back to, to come back to earth. But I mean, to a degree, I can understand why. You know, Harbaugh was you know the best coach in football for a while. You know, things fizzled out in San Fran, which you know, I don't think he deserved. But you know, he needed a new a new uh, breath of fresh air, and he came back to the greatest place possible. You know, Michigan, who's been dying for, you know, that Michigan man and, you know, another winning season and, you know, that the the success that they're accustomed to having. Now they finally have that in a guy like Harbaugh who can develop his players, you know, better than anybody. You know, for a while it was just D'Antonio, Michigan State, and then Trestle – or not Trestle, um, uh, what's my man's name in Ohio State? Um Urban John Blake right now. Yeah, yes, thank you. Sorry, John Blake. It's been a long day. Excuse me, fellas. Um, yeah, it's been a, um, you know, those are the two powerhouses of the Big Ten. But now you bring in Harbaugh. You know, he's made he's, he had an okay recruiting class, and you know they're developing their guys now that they had. So I think all is looking up pretty well for uh, the Michigan Wolverines. You know, they got the guy they wanted. They went after him last year. Didn't have much success. So not last year, a couple years ago. And now it's finally his turn to, you know, be that guy they're looking for. You know, Harbaugh's been, you know, a great coach. You know, he's even got himself a Twitter, and people can't get enough of that. You know, you have rappers coming in to perform at Ann Arbor, and he's up there tweeting guys like g Easy and Schoolboy Q. You know, you got to love stuff like that, man. That's, that's, what, that's, what the, that's what the students want to see. That's what the fans want to see, and he's giving it to them. That's exactly right. Uh-oh. And just – make it work and, and keep it rolling, keep the hype rolling. Now, for me, on the outside looking in, I honestly, I don't know, I honestly thought that a school like Michigan, I really thought that uh, Rich Rod would get things on track. And even though Brady Hope came from a lower-level school, I thought Hope would kind of get it turned around too. Did you think the same thing, or did you kind of see – Red flags with both of those guys. Where were you when those two highs were made? Nah, uh, it, it the Rich Rod thing was it was the ultimate turnaround for Michigan. You know, they just had Lloyd Carr. You know, he was you know accustomed to the whole spread offense. You know, they had you know their typical guys. You know, they had Ryan Mallett, who was a pro style quarterback. I think he was one of the top three or five recruits in the country. Um, at quarterback, but then you bring in Rich Rod, who's a spread offense guy, and it just wasn't going to work out. So he ended up transferring. You have Denard Robinson. Uh, you have a bunch of other quarterbacks who kind of fizzled out and it didn't really work out with. So, you know, it it, 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 it wasn't 
it wasn't anything immediate that you could look at and say, yes, he's going to be that guy that could turn this program around. You knew it was going to be a, a project. It was going to be something that was going to have to be a work in progress and ultimately didn't work for Rich Rod. But now he's out in other places doing his thing, you know, having a lot better success. Same thing with Brady Hoke, which I think was a little bit worse because, you know, you see Hoke and he didn't really strike you much as a coach. He was kind of more just of a motivator because you see him on the sideline without a headset on. Like what coach doesn't wear a headset when he's calling plays <laughs> and running his team? Like you could hire anybody for that. Fellas, we could go do that job. So, I mean, yeah, Hoke was, I think, destined to fail. And then how he handled the Shane Moore situation with the whole concussion thing against Minnesota, that was that was the end for for him right there, as, as well as David Brandon. So, you know, it's, a, it's now a new regime. It's, an, it's a different time. And looking at a guy like Jim Harbaugh, it's completely different because you have you already had the talent in place. This Brady Hoke was not a guy that could really develop that talent. Now you have Jim Harbaugh, who's known for that. You see him take guys like Colin Kaepernick and make him into viable NFL options. And he can do the same thing with a guy like Shane Morris. You know, he loves his quarterbacks. So I think Michigan it can be – I don't think right now they'll be – an elite program, but you give them a year or two, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I guarantee that. Talking with Eric Vincent of 11.30 a.m. and 95.5 FM in Detroit. Um, your Lions, you know, you, you lose one high-profile D-tackle and you gain another high-profile D-tackle, that being in Duncan Sue going to Miami, but you get Haloti Nada from Baltimore Two different styles, mm-hmm. both big, strong guys. But Sue, you know, had that explosiveness. And, of course, we knew he played to the whistle and beyond. Not a, just a big monster, but he's a pro bowler as well. What are your thoughts on that dynamic and how things will look when they suited up for Jim Caldwell? This well, I'm not I'm not so high on it, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't – it didn't hurt me to see Sue leave. It just – I didn't like the fashion on how it happened because – for the longest time, the Lions front office, the way they play things, they keep everything close to the chest. They don't tell much of their business and how they plan on operating. They just let their actions speak for itself. So coming into the summer, they were talking about how optimistic they were for bringing Sue back, and then they let him walk. And apparently they made their offer after the Miami Dolphins did, which means that they didn't really have a plan to bring Sue back to begin with. So everything just kind of came off as a lie and deceitful, and I just didn't like the way Mayhew and Luan handled the situation. That's the owner and the GM. So Sue leaves for a better deal, which nobody can be mad at him for doing. You know, you go to Miami in a tax-free area. You do your thing. Go ahead, Sue. But you, out of desperation, bring in Haloti Nada when you trade a fourth and a fifth-round draft pick mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a year where you need as many draft picks as possible. And I wasn't – I wasn't really high on that, you know, not as a, a 3-4 guy. He's 31 years old. He's, he's I, I think, out of his prime now. He's definitely not on the way up of his career. You know, if he has another prime candidate season, there's not going to be a lot left. So you bring him in at 31 years old. You know, he didn't have, you know, the greatest numbers last season. And, of course, he had the PED suspension as well. I'm not, I'm not really sure of what's going to happen with the Lions' defensive line, especially considering they just lost George Johnson. They haven't re-signed uh, C.J. Mosley. Nick Fairley's also gone. See, what people don't yeah. realize is, and Dominican Sue was a big piece of that defensive line, but he was just one man. The Lions had a plethora of defensive talent on that line, which made them so dangerous. 
George Johnson led the Lions in sacks last year with, I think, seven or eight sacks on his own. So, you know, he definitely benefited off of that from the help of Ndamukong Su, the pressure he took away. Now you don't have that. You have a guy in Haloti Nada who can still be formidable, but you don't have the depth and the talent that you had last year. So they hopefully will find that um, in the draft. I know they got their fourth-round pick back after getting a trade done with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in uh, dealing George Johnson, but – I don't know. I'm not as optimistic about it. I'm I'm a little nervous and kind of uh, skeptic about how the Lions go for this season. I see uh, around a 500-type season for them coming up. What's everybody think of Jim Caldwell? I mean, the fan base, the city as a whole, what's, I mean, you know, he's so stoic on the sidelines and all, but what's the vibe and the feeling about Jim? You know, Caldwell was, I think, the, the the right piece. You know, we had Jim Schwartz, you know, when he was here with the Lions, and his rah-rah mentality just was not with what this team needed. You needed a guy who could settle down a lot of personalities of guys, you know, who were already up and animated. You know, we were young, trying to learn how to win. Now you bring in a guy like Caldwell, who originally wasn't the Lions' first option. We wanted to get Wizard Hunt. He went to Tennessee instead. And, you know, Caldwell comes in and – deals the Lions to an 11-5 and record, you know. If it wasn't for the success that was had by Bruce Arians in Arizona, you could have made a very strong chase for Jim Caldwell for Coach of the Year. But, you know, he you know, he did what, he, what a lot of people didn't think he was capable of doing. You know, he took the Lions from a losing franchise, from a losing, a losing program, to now being a playoff contending uh, team. Um, but it's just his first year. You know, now they get to build off, for another, off another season. Another year of uh, Coach uh, the offensive coordinator Lombardi, his uh, offensive system. They had a little bit more talent as well um, for Matthew Stafford. Um, we're very optimistic what we see from Jim Caldwell, but you got to get some more pieces around him. He's uh, he's he lost a lot of talent offensively, especially on the offensive line. And Calvin Johnson's getting a year older, so he needs a little bit more help. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough season for the Lions coming up. They got a lot of work to do, but there's a lot of faith in Jim Caldwell here in Detroit. That's cool. That's cool. One last question for me, man. Uh, just kind of the pulse of you know Michigan, Michigan State. You got both schools well represented on ESPN all the time. You got Jalen Rose, Fab Five, Michigan dude, Jamel Hill, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Is everybody just kind of proud that both of them are on, or does one, you know, kind of rub it in on the other? Because, you know, I like them both. But, you know, they're from the two rival schools in your state. So is it what do you think? Or first of all, are you a Michigan guy, Michigan State guy? And how does everybody feel seeing both of them kind of represent both Michigan and MSU <laughs> all the time? Well, this is the beauty of me. I'm mutual, so I get to hate and talk crap about everybody else. I don't I don't have ties to Michigan. I don't have ties to Michigan State. I'm an Eastern Michigan guy. I went to Eastern oh. Michigan, and I went to Specs Howard as well. So if Michigan doesn't do well, no snot out of my nose, and the same thing with Michigan State. So it's none of that love for me. I don't care what happens. But as far as, uh, you know, Jamel Hill and Jalen Rose, those are two of my biggest idols right there. I mean, you see what they've done in this business. They've taken off. They're taking over ESPN. I mean, I was never a huge fan of uh, Numbers Never Lie and His and Hers, but I've been watching it a lot more often, man, and I'm enjoying myself watching them. You know, Jamel Hill, she does her thing on um, uh, Pardon the Interruption as well, you know, or not Pardon the Interruption, Around the Horn. You know, she does very well on ESPN. She does very good things. The same thing with Jalen Rose. You know, he's a 
he's a NBA, he's always been a smart uh minded NBA savvy guy and you know considering the career he had in the NBA you know it doesn't hurt to you know get his philosophy and his opinion on situations he's a smart guy and you know everybody supports him it's not really a uh you know uh okay Jalen's from Michigan so you know we're going to you know scorn him nah everyone's pretty happy with the success man you know Detroit versus everybody out here we all we all got to be proud and support everybody for what they do we try to do our you know show as much love as we can Hey, that's the way to do it. That's the right approach. Did I cut you off on anything, TB? Because you know I do it all the time. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. But no. <laughs> uh, it happens, I, I man. Think, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I, but I, I think Harbaugh is going to do well at Michigan simply because, uh, I mean, I'm a 49ers fan, so I kind of watched him uh, for the years he was there. And mm-hmm. the, player, the players – I think we'll buy into him more in a college atmosphere than in a professional atmosphere. Uh, because what I'm gathering, he just had a lot of friction with the front office where you won't have that in a college atmosphere. You know, if you're winning, the AD is not going to jump in and, and, and look over your shoulder and that kind of thing. So I think he'll definitely uh, succeed there. Um, Absolutely. You know, they see they saw the success he had in the NFL. You know, you don't just hop in the NFL and have the success that Harbaugh had. You know, two NFC championship runs. He got to the Super Bowl. You know, he was a quarter away from winning it. But, um, you know, people – and they see that. So, they look at what he did there, and they, at one, you know, want to perform and, you know, represent for Michigan. But, two, they want to get to the pros, too. And Jim knows that. You know, he wants to get them – he wants to get the best out of them at Michigan, and he wants to get them best prepared for the pros to play on Sundays as well. And I think he's going to have a good program and a good lineup set for that. In in in, in that respect, he's just like uh, Coach Cal. You know, if you're if you're a top guy, I can, look, I can get you. I can get you to the next level as well as get you to succeed at this level. And if you can get kids to buy into whatever you're selling, no matter what kind of coach you are. That's where you're going to get your success, really. Yep, and I got no problem with that with that Coach Cal mentality. You know, people, you know, kids want to, you know, go get that money. If they feel like they're ready, they feel like they're in a good position to do so, then, hey, go ahead and do your thing. Especially now Coach Cal, you know, he wasn't, you know, the, the uh, degree of difficulty from Memphis to Kentucky is completely different. So if you can get, succeed in Kentucky against the competition they got, you know, you're well-equipped to be, you know, playing on the, in the pro level. So, the same thing with Harbaugh. You know, if you're playing, you know, against the Big Ten where, you know, the talent is getting a lot better and the coaching is getting a lot better, you know, you could be slated for a very good run and a very good career in the NFL, I think so. I think he's going to develop his guys to be pretty special. And one final question for me, E, or just tell us all about the shows that you are on, the things you're doing up in Detroit on 11:30 a.m. and 95.5 FM, just give us a little, little feel, a little summary of, of what you're doing and the hats you're wearing up there hosting. All right, man. Well, you can catch me up on uh, Channel 955. It's a top 40 station. Um, you know, I spin a few hits every now and then on uh, the Sunday and Saturday show every uh, weekend from 12 to 4 p.m. You guys want to check me out on iHeartRadio. Or if you're listening locally, you know, dial me up in your car, you know, crank your windows down. I'll be on your radio every Saturday, Sunday, 12 to, 12 to 4. And then on 11.30 WDFN, uh, get a little bit of airtime every now and then, you know, I'll check in with Shep on his uh, morning show. 
uh, Matt Shepard. You know, he's um, he's our play-by-play and uh, sideline reporter at Fox Sports Detroit. Been in the business for about 10, 15 years, so much respect to Shep. Um, you know, I'm on a blog page for WDFN.com. You can check me out on there. You know, I've covered the NBA, a little bit of MLB, NFL, just a lot of my opinionated stuff. You know, I like to uh, give a fresh opinion, you know, on what's going on in the sports world. You know, I don't write to be – Liked. I just want to spark the uh, mind of the, our fans and our listeners and our readers. So you want to check me out on WDFN. Um, check me out on our website, WDFN.com. Also on Bleacher Report as well. I do a little bit of blogging for them from time to time. And, again, I'm up on Channel 955, so be sure to ch- check me out. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy what you see. And I appreciate you guys having me up here, man. It's uh, been long awaited. And I've seen Vinny doing his thing. Me and Vinny actually go back to Bleacher Report, I think. we uh, They were in an internship program together, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, most definitely. Uh, enjoy trying to cut my teeth and, and read your content there, all the Detroit perspective that you offered. Um, that was some fun stuff, man. I'm, I'm still just enjoying it and trying to learn as much as I can from people like yourself and anybody else that I cross paths with, man. Yeah, we're on our way, bro. Just keep well working. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. Anytime Thanks you need me, on. you know where I'm at. Hey, <laughs> Eric, I'd love to have you on. Love to have you on again sometime down the road. Everybody, check him out at I am Eric Vincent on Twitter. Have a good evening, man, and and really appreciate the time. E. I appreciate it, guys. Stay up. Thank you. All right. That is Eric Vincent. From 1130 WDFN AM in Detroit and channel 955 in Detroit as well, bringing that Detroit knowledge. Uh, he's a big sports dude like us, bringing knowledge on all the topics. Enjoy having E on. Look forward to having him on again. Um, good stuff, man. Another good guest. More knowledge being dropped on Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry, just like it is every single week. Oh, definitely, definitely, and it, and it's good to get people from all around the country covering all sorts of things. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, let's take one last quick little break as we finish up the show, the last half hour or so, uh, come back talk some NBA playoffs, uh, get into that in a little more detail, uh, finish the show strong. See if TB has picked a team between now and when we come back. You never know. Something might just jump out and hit him. My Braves are playing the Mets here a little bit tonight. Uh, the Mets have just surged past Atlanta in the first place. So it's it's an early season, little head-to-head battle between the top two teams in the division. So hopefully my Braves can rebound from that 7-1 to beatdown they took against the Mets last night. My dad is a big Mets fan, so uh, I'm kind of – Knocked heads with him ever since I was like seven or eight years old. He loved the Mets, and I hate losing to the Mets. Uh, but the Mets beat him down last night. They can get this rain delay squared away and get the game rolling. Hopefully Atlanta can take care of business tonight. Um, appreciate y'all listening to us on Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. Why don't you 
Hardy Radio Network. Watch.com. Final 25 minutes. Had a fun one like we always do. Enjoy Eric Eric Vincent hopping on and talking with us at all things Detroit. Um, definitely appreciate his knowledge. Um, we had a tweet from, see who that was, concerning our rants. Uh, he, sent it, he sent it to the both of us at Vinny Hardy at T Brown underscore 80. Um, Edward Perez, 1965 E. Perez on Twitter, brought up the old Ryan Leaf deal. You remember when <laughs> when he went nuts on the reporter, just the one reporter in the Chargers locker room, um, you know, the, the famous line, how he closed it out, to knock it off. And then the late, great Junior Seau had to come in and just remove him from the premises. Uh, that is definitely an unforgettable rant, too. Yeah, that that that's um that's someone uh even though he wasn't a coach, that's a pretty good one. Uh I remember uh Deion Sanders tossing cold water onto uh Tim McCarver uh yeah. after was wasn't one of the Braves playoff games, is that right? Yeah, uh McCarver had I don't I don't know if ripped is the right word, but he he called him out and kinda of came down on the side of not agreeing with uh, Dion playing a football game earlier that Sunday and then playing a baseball game for the Braves that followed the the very same night. He said something about it on the call during the broadcast. And so Dion came and searched for him and, and picked him out and hit him with a bottle of a big old bucket of Gatorade or a bucket of water. And uh, McCarver was hot. I, I I swear, I mean, he was older then. He's, he's definitely up in age now, but he was a former player, and he was still, you know, an older guy then. And, I mean, you know, Dion didn't have to hit water on him like that. They didn't have to dump water on him. But McCarver was hot. The water that Dion dumped on him was basically evaporating because McCarver just said he kept his cool as best as he can. He said, you're, you're a real man, Dion. But you can tell he wanted to just fight him right then and there. <laughs> On the yeah, on the spot. He wanted to go. He wanted to go throw some blows with Dion Wright then, because <laughs> you know he's in the suit, got the mic on, uh, you know, NBC or whoever it was, you know. And then you know he's soaked down, just like he's a coach that just won the Super Bowl. You know he wasn't expecting that to happen. So yeah, that was that was epic too, for sure. Got a flashback because. Um, last week, the big news was, you know, Aaron Hernandez. That kind of just dominated all the news broke of, you know, him being guilty. Um, and I forgot to mention the fact that we were just coming off for the Masters, which uh, we're not huge golf guys, but Jordan Spieth just tore up the course down there, uh, 21 years old, en route to winning it, tying the course record. And, of course, meant to at least mention that the kid, had such a great tournament. I mean, started out on Thursday on fire, and he kept it going the whole time, Friday all the way through Sunday. Meant to at least give him some props. You know, we're not big-time golf guys. You know, our number one fan, Michelle, is a big golf fan. 
She's been to some events there in Louisville, and she's up on the golf. But uh, had to give some props to Jordan Spieth. I hate I forgot to mention the young fella doing his thing last week. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too much into golf. I'll be the first to admit that I'm one of those Tiger Woods golf fans that uh, he introduced me to the sport. And since he hasn't been, uh, since he hasn't been in it, I don't keep up with it as much as as other people. But uh, it, it's good seeing a young kid come out there and, and and kind of make his name, and hopefully he'll be kind of be the next great thing. Yeah, and that's what, uh, you know, we're just coming off the, um, <coughs> excuse, me, <coughs> excuse me, the Final Four and all that. And much like you and I transitioned from March Madness right into the NBA playoffs, as soon as the Final Four is over, a lot of people just, you know, transition right on in into the Masters, you know, especially your homeboy Jim Nance. He goes right from calling the Final Four straight to Augusta calling the Masters. And, I even meant to the Wednesday before the Masters because they started on that Thursday. <clears throat> Just to even throw out, ah, who do you think will win? How do you think Tiger would do? You know, we'd have kind of kept it kind of vague and kind of uh, casual because we're not huge golf guys. But then, just the, what do you think Tiger do? We've been doing that for so long. It's, it's like, ah, eh, I just didn't even mention it. Just see what he does. You know, hope he can at least put together a good tournament, and he kind of did. At least I, I was just hoping, okay, hey, make the cut. He did that. He made it past Thursday and Friday on into the weekend and then finished under par. He finished like five under. So I was I was happy to see that because I was, you know, kind of a Tiger guy too. I don't watch a lot, uh, even if it's a tight, close wind down with guys all vying for the title on Sunday. I'm not really going to tune in and watch. I just kind of catch the highlights after it's over. I've always been that way. Even when Tiger was rolling, I didn't just tune in religiously to watch him. Um, So I was just hoping he could put together, you know, a respectable showing, and he was kind of able to do that. Um, But it was to the point where he didn't even speculate about what he would do going into this Masters. So maybe he can build on it and, and kind of get himself back. like to see him mount up a few more charges and work his way back to being uh, super competitive like he was. Not, I mean, like he was in his prime, but where he's a threat again. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I, I don't know. Golf just moves too slow for me. I, I – you know, Mrs. TB tells me, you know, I've, I've told you about I, I play basketball on Tuesdays and it, I've got a whole process on keeping me up and mobile. And she says I need to find something less uh, stressful, less impactful. But I don't know. I, I'm trying to get into golf and I can't do it. I enjoy playing it. I'm not good. I haven't played a lot. I'm still very novice. I probably haven't played. 150, 200 holes in my life, you know, a few 18 hole courses here, a couple nine hole courses there. Um, my late father-in-law was really big into it. Um, he got to where his, his um, you know, circulation was bad, so he didn't have a lot of good balance in his feet and a lot of good feeling in his hand. We could go out to the driving range and, you know, he could show me what I needed to do and, and say it. He wasn't able to 
actually execute as good as he once did due to, you know, the balance and circulation he'd have. But he could point out, hey, well, you need to do this, or you're coming through too quick, your face is too open, that's why you're slicing, that's why you're hooking, all that little stuff. And I enjoyed that. I was, I was, you know, I learned a lot. And when I played, I definitely enjoyed it. Like I said, I haven't played a lot, but I had more fun playing than I do watching. And that's not the case. Usually in every sport, I have as much fun playing football or basketball or baseball. as I can play it and have fun. I can watch it and have fun. Not the case with golf. I do have fun out there hacking and trying to, you know, make some decent shots. But I'm still just not a huge spectator of it yet on television. But uh, definitely fun hacking and, and trying to keep it out of the woods and keep from hitting people and being proud when I hit a shot that even exceeds my expectations from time to time. Uh, I'll tell this one real quick. I got a couple uncles that play one right there in Louisville, uh, right there where you are, another uncle in Cleveland. Every Memorial Day weekend, family that used to live in Harlan County from the little town where I'm from all come back. You got the whole weekend, the little town is buzzing. You got, you know, people that are my mom and dad's age. They all come back home for the the weekend. You know, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Memorial Day weekend, everybody's barbecuing. The basketball courts are full like they used to be. Uh, people from everywhere, Cincinnati, Connecticut, Ohio, Atlanta, they all come back. So both my uncles were back, and we were going to play the little course right there in Cumberland, Sleepy Hollow Country Club, club right there where I grew up. And so we got up there Saturday morning. They play a lot. My uncle's won like tournaments there in Louisville and, and they'll mm. plays all the time, and he's pretty good. Um, my uncle from Cleveland is decent. He doesn't get to play as much. He isn't as good, but they're both way better than me. So, um, and I forget who, was it four of us or just the three of us? I can't remember. But we get up to the first tee, and there's like two groups right there ahead of us. So I'm I'm sitting here ready to wait them out, and they all say, "Y'all go ahead and play through." And so immediately I get nervous because now, you know, I got tee off in front of everybody. All these people I don't even know. I'm not that good anyway. So, of course, you know, both my uncles get up there, bam, bam, hit these real nice, long, straight shots. And so here I go. And, you know, each time the group that's watching, oh, man, great shot, great shot. And, they're, you know, they're, you know, praising it and, and doing all that and breaking it down. And I'm like, oh, boy, here I am. Just <laughs> try to make contact, try to keep your head down, try, try to hit it, you know, that whole thing. And I'll – Hit a shot just as good as all of them. And I was like, whoo. So now I'm trying to act proud, act, keep it straight like I'm out there know what I'm doing. Instead of just <laughs> bursting with pride, I had to just stroll on off like, yeah, yeah, you know, and look the part. <laughs> and just not let the excitement burst through. I went from being a nervous wreck to hitting a shot that I surprised the heck out of myself. And now, you know, just walk on off like, yeah, this is what I do. <laughs> so it was a whole gamut of emotions right there, man. <laughs> it was it was funny. I was glad I hit a good shot in front of them. Now, of course, you know how the rest of the day went, like it always does oh, when yeah. I'm playing golf. It went bad. 
But at least in front of those folks who they at least think I can play. <laughs> so uh, that was that was fun. So uh, if I had to have one good shot, I'm glad it was the very first one on the very first hole. Flipping back to your Lakers, man. Um, Kareem had quadruple bypass. I know you saw that. You were big in Laker Nation's Twitter land. I'm uh, hoping he has a full speed of recovery, but when he's 68 years old and he was in the hospital for a quadruple coronary bypass. Yeah, that's that's no joke. Uh, my dad had quadruple a couple of years ago, so I know definitely there's a definitely a, a long and, and kind of arduous uh, kind of rehab to get get back on your feet. So definitely uh, wishing him the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 68 years old, born 1947, so he's just a, a tad older than my dad, about five, six years older than my dad. Played, you know, 20 years. So he was, you know, 22 when he hit the NBA, 42 when he left in 1989, which, I mean, I remember him getting the rocking chair treatment and the grand farewell tour. Uh, and, him and David Robinson kind of missed each other. He retired, and David came the next year. Those are two greats that never played against one another. They just missed at least having one encounter on the court. But I remember the farewell tour that Kareem got, which was kind of cool, even though I wasn't a Lakers fan. Well, I, I read that uh, Showtime book. I can't remember who wrote it about the Lakers of the 80s. And... uh it was harder than you would think for Kareem to kind of get all that stuff when he retired. He wasn't exactly well-liked in the league and even in the Lakers organization itself. So that's what, that was real interesting for me to, to catch on to. Yeah, he was kind of prickly, to say the least, right? Yeah, he was he – was, uh, uh, he was Rondo before Rondo, <laughs> so he right. was he was very he was very kind of standoff uh, standoffish and that kind of thing. <laughs> but he and Rondo was I mean a good player like uh, Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith were all kind of breaking it down last night. You know Kenny Smith said Rondo's a star, he's not a superstar, but Kareem was a superstar who had the game to match or exceed or make everybody have to put up with his cantankerousness. Well, and a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, he, he uh, you know, growing up, growing up in New York City, and he was a phenom from the time he was, uh, you know, in the eighth grade, uh, you know, what high school he would go to, that kind of thing. So he was really kind of in his own little world, almost by necessity. He kind of got a kind of uh, jaded at an early age, so he kind of was very introspective and, and doing his own thing. So I think that uh, that kind of led to it. Yeah. Um. And real quick, because we hadn't talked in UK football, our guy Larry Vault 
on com has a great article put up earlier today about Jason Hatcher, how he wants to do more than just fill Bud Dupree's shoes. Uh, he's got the 502 and the state of Kentucky tattooed on his torso, uh, just paying homage to his roots. Um, but it's, he wants to put himself in the same position that Bud is when his time is over in Kentucky. And, I mean, Bud continues to shoot on up the draft, and it's going to be cool and a proud moment when everybody sees him get drafted in the NFL draft, which is coming up um, not the same weekend as the Derby. It's going to be so much stuff going on that weekend. The NFL draft, NBA playoffs, uh, Mayweather Pacquiao, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it's just going to be overload from a sports standpoint on that weekend. And speaking of Derby, what's the what's the vibe? Is it already? I know I know it's building, but what's the feeling right there well, as you move around uh, Louisville? Yeah, Thunder over Louisville was this past weekend, which is the official uh, kickoff, uh, one of the biggest fireworks shows in the country. Uh, it's always a good uh, time. Uh, I hate to say that uh, I did not partake. <laughs> I didn't go down to the river and watch that. I think they said they had 600-something thousand people or something like that for that. Ooh, man. Uh, mm-hmm. But but this weekend is the uh, is the marathon, is the Derby Marathon, and then all next week we're going to get uh, – there's the parade, there's the the boat race, there's all the uh, – I tell people, if you're going to come to Louisville, this is the week or two that you want to come because it's clean, it's – everybody's in a, in a good mood. Uh, you don't want to buy anything right now because everything's jacked up about 200%, but uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's getting ready. It, it's getting ready for, for derby time, and, uh, you know, I, I, I joke about it, but – my hometown, my home state, if there's one thing we do that really, uh, I think, sets us apart, it's, it's the Derby. It, it it really is. For a lot of the things we do wrong, we do the Derby right. Yeah, so it's, we'll have one more show before the Derby. You know, next Wednesday we'll be on, and then it'll really be cranked up then. If um, I'm reading right, we're hearing that American Pharaoh is that one of the favorites that everybody's kind of hopping on to win it. I know Pharaoh was involved. I think it's American Pharaoh. Yeah, uh, yeah, American Pharaoh. Uh, that's the one that people have been kind of pointing to um, as, as being the leader. But you always, I mean, it's, it's so rare to see the the favorite come in and do it in the Derby. Um, I think the most interesting thing would be, are we ever going to see uh, another Triple Crown winner? Uh, as it gets farther and farther away, heading almost into 40 years, it, we may not see it. We, 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 we've seen some close ones, but, but no horse has been able to get over the uh, hump there. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like my dad said, I said it last week. You know, sometimes the horses just don't feel like running that day, favorite or not. You know, they they couldn't care less to the favorite <laughs> in everybody's mind, or based on what they did in previous races. But you know, a lot of people felt the same way in in baseball. It's been forty five years since we saw anybody hit for the triple crown, you know, leading in home runs, RBIs, and batting average. 
and Miguel Cabrera did a few years ago right up there in Eric Vincent's city of Detroit. So we, once again, that's that history that you want to see. Just like you wanted, I wanted to see the Patriots go undefeated. Um, I wanted to see the Heat try to win 33 in a row like your old Lakers did with Wilt and, and Jerry West and Gil Goodrich. Um, of course, we all wanted to see Kentucky go 40-0. That history, when teams are close, you want to see it. So we've we've seen those horses win, win the Derby, win the Preakness, and then go up to the Belmont and just can't close the deal. So probably one of these years when we're no one's expecting it. If some unexpected horse wins the Derby, and then <laughs> that horse will just go ahead and knock out the other two when nobody really sees it as being possible. So it might be something like that. It just catches everybody off guard. Uh, but when when uh, they win the Derby, of course, everybody's going to tune in to the Preakness. If that same horse wins the Preakness, then it's just that anticipation builds so much for the Belmont. And they're different distance tracks, different surfaces, different this, different that. Layout, the crowd, you know, three races, three grueling races. How do the trainers handle it? You hear all those questions and all those factors. Uh, one of these years, like, some sleeper horse is going to sweep them. You know, don't know when, but it's going to happen. And it'll, it'll be fun to see. Well, and, and that's the thing, because, uh, you know, we've taken our girls tour of the track, tour of the uh, uh, Derby Museum and all that kind of thing. And there's a show they do in the round. Like, it's a theater, and it's a, it goes all the way around you to kind of give you the sense of, of running the race. And it's the it's the back stretch, or really, when you're, you're turning for home, where the horse and the jockey just have a view of the track, and there's a, there's a break where there's nothing. They're kind of like looking into clouds, if you will. And then they turn and then they see the big grandstand, it is just a wall of of sound. And if you pay attention, you can see a lot of horses get a little jittery. You know, this is as many people as they will probably ever see in this situation, and they just get hit with this wall of sound, and it is just, if you're ever in Louisville, I definitely recommend taking that in. Yeah, I definitely have to do that. I, I want to make it to a derby one year and just fight that crowd one time because I've never been to one. My dad's been to a couple. Um, and actually, you know, this is going to make your day. Met some 49er legends while he was there. He brought uh, home a couple autographs from Roger Craig and Tom Rath was there uh, at the that derby. Was a, that, that was a, uh, yeah, that was a great backfield. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he was a Cowboys fan. He was still cool meeting them. Um, I'm not fond of them because they were always good mm-hmm. and just being too good for my taste and winning all the Super Bowls as a kid. But it was it was definitely cool. Uh, well, probably got to meet those guys, even though they played for your red and gold there. <laughs> hey, I, I ran into uh, Jay Novacek at the Hall of Fame the year when I went. And I, uh, you know, I. He killed uh, our, my Niners a bunch in the nineties, uh, so I, I still had to give him his prop. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, Jay would catch everything. It was in his area code. I mean, he was catching it. That's why he was such a security blanket for Troy. 
the dude caught everything skinny and lanky, but stronger what? than you thought he was, and had a little more wiggle than you thought he had. Just, just a super tight end. And it was so funny. My friend and I, we were there, and we just see this kind of big, kind of tall, like you said, lanky guy in cowboy hat, cowboy boots walking. And a bunch of cowboy fans said, that's Jay Novacek. And my buddy looks to me and says, well, is that him? I said, I don't know if I've ever seen him not in football equipment. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. They're like, well, yeah, that's him. I said, well, there you go. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But I mean, he went to Wyoming, I think, for college. So he was he's a cowboy in the literal sense. Even though he played for the Cowboys, but even when he was in his comfortable clothes, he was a cowboy just to the core. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to close get you down for the or get you up for the Derby one year. Uh, we, we're, I, I tell you right now, we're too old to do the uh, infield. Uh, we're gonna have to pony up some 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 bucks and and go uh, <laughs> and and do the uh, do some seats. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, in, the infield is uh, is pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a little bit more tame. Uh, because, of course, with 9-11, you can't get a lot of stuff in, that kind of thing, uh, like you used to be able to. But whew, you, you will see a lot. You won't see a horror, but you'll see a, you'll see a lot. That's great. Hey, well, that sounds fine on the seat, whatever. I just need to, to take it in one time. I want to... You suit it up from the get-go. I mean, you dress down and, and, and do it right, right? You get the suit on and, and do it up, right? Well, I, yeah, I haven't been to Derby in several years, since, basically since we had kids and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, you gotta you, you got to start looking good from the get-go if you're going to go out there and, and do those things. I'll tell you, yeah. uh, another little run-in. Uh, my wife is involved with a charity for adults with uh, uh, special needs here in town, and they had a an event called the Taste of Oaks, I think, and it was the Friday night before the Derby. It was because, you know, they run the Oaks the day before. And we were down in one of the hotels downtown, and it was, you know, not quite tuxedo, but it was very, very nice. And, uh, we were doing that one night, and, and luckily, this was a couple of years ago, I ran into Warren Moon, uh, wow. you know, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, and, and talked to yeah. him for a little bit. Uh, so it's always good if you're downtown that Friday because all the big hotels, that's where all the stars are. They've got red carpets. They've got, uh, you know, that's where the parties are and everything like that. So it's just good to kind of be down there because you never know who you're going to see Uh I think that the most uh, starstruck most people were is the year Jordan was here. Michael Jordan came to town. Uh, he and his entourage, and uh, I think that rivaled the one year the Queen of England came. But it was just a thing like, well, you know, MJ's in town. You know, when it was because I think he <laughs> poked into one place and things like that. So uh, this is this is the time to be in Kentucky because. Chances are you you could run into a celeb 
because uh, I think there are some that like to hit certain little areas of town to eat and restaurants and that kind of thing. So uh, for a two-minute horse race, we have made it a two-week-plus event. So I will definitely yeah. take it. Absolutely. And speaking of NJ and me, and I just would get your thoughts on the two guys that argued, got in a fight arguing over who is better between MJ and LeBron, and then your thoughts on what you've seen so far in the playoffs before we wrap this baby up tonight. That, that I mean, that's just dumb. I mean, it could, if you're going to fight about that, you're going to fight about anything. You, I mean, you may as well fight about, you know, is today Thursday or Friday, and you, you're just going to – those two people just wanted to fight. I mean, that's, that's how I thought. Uh, but the, with the playoffs – I'll be interested to see how the Spurs bounce back. You know, they've they've lost game ones before and always managed to come back. But if the the Clippers can get them down 2-0, I think that's going to be something you're going to watch. But so far, uh, John Wall and the Wizards look for real. You know, I know it's just Toronto, but uh, this is as good as the, you know, the Wizards organization has looked since you and I have been alive, since my homeboy, Wesunsell, you know, played for the Baltimore Bullets. This is the best stretch of basketball, really, that they've had. Um, So that's going to be interesting to see what they can do because right now a lot of people are kind of counting them out of the mix in the East, but they pose a lot of problems. Uh, They can pose a lot of problems for people. Uh, the the thing about the Wizards is they can't have stupid turnovers, and I think Wall and Beal are better about taking care of the basketball. So I don't anticipate that being a problem going forward. Uh, I think an, an, another little note is you know LeBron when he is fully engaged is still a force uh, to be reckoned yeah. with. You know we've talked about Steph Curry, uh, his MVP and. And your guy James Harden MVP and and talking about the future MVPs that uh, uh, Anthony Davis might get, but LeBron is still here right now, and he's still a pretty phenomenal basketball player. Uh, so I still see him making his mark on these playoffs. So uh, so we'll, we'll see. I think most of these games, or most of these series, have been competitive so far. Uh, I know that there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of these first-round games usually aren't, these first-round series. Because uh, you're old enough to remember, you know, Jordan and the Bulls, they'd always beat, like, the Heat or the Hawks, like 3-0 in the first round. I mean, and it, they weren't really close uh, games. So that's uh, that's good because you want to see some of these first-round matchups, even the eight seeds and the one seeds, be, uh, be competitive. And I think that's what we've seen so far. Yeah, and um, you got as, as far as you the uh, the Clippers, I kind of just dismissed them. So I was surprised to see what they did the Spurs in game one. Uh, it's kind of I'm not saying the window's closed, but I you know we've seen a lot of city thing. Now they need to kind of make a deep playoff run and solidify some of these regular seasons that they've had. I was surprised with the. I know it was at home and they were fired up and they jumped on San Antonio. San Antonio came in on a roll. You know, they lost the last one to New Orleans, but before that they were hot. And they've been the Spurs like they always are. You know, everybody thought they were 
dead in the water two months ago, but here they are, you know, fighting for a top seed again. Uh, so I was surprised to see the Clippers take care of them that easily. Um, as bad as it looks for the Mavericks, it's going to be a whole different ball game in Dallas. Houston's going to have to go in there, you know, going for the kill. And, you know, you got them down. Don't let them back up. Uh, even in game two that they won by 12, um, they kind of were fooling around and let Dallas make a run and tie and have a lead. They were missing layups here and there and, and things like that. Uh, go for the juggler in Dallas, even though all this stuff is swirling about Rondo and um, Chandler Parsons, former Rocket, looks to be out for the series with a knee injury. Rondo out indefinitely. They're still going to make a stand uh, in these next two games in Dallas. So going there, looking to to knock them out. Um, in Toronto, I mean, that might be the most – I was talking about that last night. That might be the most U.K. team in the league when you think Patrick Patterson, Chuck Hayes, and Dwayne Casey. Um, and here you got Paul Pierce that did them in in game one, you know, hitting some clutch shots. Uh, now that he's a member of the Wizards, when he did the same thing to them last year as a member of the Nets. So, I mean, they just can't seem to get out from underneath Paul Pierce, you know, the old guy rising up in the playoffs in the first round. Uh, and now they're in the 2-0 hole. Uh, you know, um, Kentucky guys on both sides, you kind of sit up there on both sides of the fence. Uh, I'd like to see Toronto do good and kind of make a run, but they have dug a hole for themselves. Um I already touched on Rondo in Dallas because we got Terrence Jones playing for my Rockets. Um, and I just, I don't know, that might be the biggest rival for me has always kind of been the Mavs, especially when Jason Terry was there. I just could not stand the Mavericks when, when Jason Terry is there. But now he's a member of the Rockets. So, you know, it's, you got guys that have played for both teams in the rivalry. It's just a whole lot of interesting stuff going on in that series. Um Portland, wow, they they got just destroyed by Memphis. I think they play tonight. They're going to have to get it together. Um, You talk about these teams that have been injured. A lot of teams have been injured. Uh, And Dallas is now dealing with injuries. Houston as well. Patrick Beverly's been out. Monte Eunice is out. Um, Dwight Howard and Terrence Jones have been in and out of the lineup all season. Um, So everybody's just trying to find that groove. Portland has got to show up tonight. They got ran out of the building against the Grizzlies. We'll see what the Warriors continue to do. The Hawks are the number one seed. Nobody talks about them. They just kind of play as a team, and all the guys together are greater than all of them individually. You would think they are. So we'll see what they can do as a top seed in the East. They haven't been as good since they were, you know, my man Neek was there, and they ended up trading him for Danny Manning that year. But they ended up being the number one seed that year. Uh, so we'll see what they do. Um, all kinds of interesting stuff. Memphis just went up two to nothing on Portland right out of the gate as they just started. Uh, the Braves are up one nothing on the Mets, and we got all kinds of fun stuff. I'm staying up late every night, way too late TV because it's playoff time, and that's just how it is. Uh, and that's how it'll be tonight too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that's uh, the lovely Mrs. TV said. Well, you know your Lakers aren't in it. Are you still going to stay up? And I said, well, yeah, I still like basketball. So, yeah, I'm still going to stay up and watch it. I'm just not watching it with a, a vested interest. 
Because yeah. she asked me, well, who are you rooting for? I said, I'm not rooting for anybody. My team's not in it. She said, well, if they're not in it, you're going to pull for somebody else? I said, well, that's not the way that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you know, I, and I stopped myself. I was watching the Cavaliers and Celtics, and Celtics, I don't know who those guys are in the Celtics uniforms. It was just a bunch of, I mean, I know they're in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. And I was getting ready to send a tweet out, but I'm like, I can't even do it because my team's not even in it. So there you, so there you go. I felt a little bit of restraint because I was like, who are these guys? And I'm like, well, I watched the Lakers, and I didn't know who any of those guys were. So there you, there you go. But see that 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 didn't stop you from throwing shade on the Cowboys when the Niners were in the playoffs. I'm just saying. But you know, you you sent that tweet out, and uh, I think was it Matt May was was going back and forth with you, and I I had to kind of jump in. But uh, you know, but you were like, I forget what you said, but you was like, just just cut me some slack or something. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I had to I had to get one in there about the Cowboys. Uh, I don't even know what I said, but yeah, I had to get. And I still may slide in something about Boston. You know, I'm just going to throw my one or two out there. But I know I can't say much with my team on the sideline. I got you. And my dad is in your corner. He's a huge Lakers fan. We were talking about this last night. Uh, I called him last night, and he was talking about you know the Celtics and all all the young guys they got. I didn't know who they were, but they got a lot of young guys that they can keep together and play their cards right. They're going to set themselves up. Uh, you know, Danny Ainge is trying to get some pieces in place, and him as a Lakers fan, he was kind of like you. You know, give him some props. You know, got uh, Marcus Smart up there and the Lennon kid from. Gonzaga, Jared Sullinger, and, and Isaiah Thomas now. So, an average age is 25 or 26 years old. Brad Stevens is our age. So, we'll see if they can, you know, play their cards right. And, you know, it's all about getting that experience uh, when you're an NBA team in the playoffs. You know, you're, you're pesky and you're up and coming. And can you cut your teeth and learn going up against the established, experienced teams. Milwaukee is trying that against the Bulls. Boston's trying that against Cleveland. Um, they're probably not going to win the series, but maybe they'll steal a game. Maybe they'll learn and, and come back and be poised to make more noise next year. It's always kind of that pecking order. Uh, you can't just usually jump in the playoffs in year one and do big things. It doesn't happen that way for you know most cases. So we'll see what these young teams do, and you and I will be staying up sleepy-eyed, and watching it all. And and real quick before we go, there is, and I love these uh, oral histories that Grantland does so well, grantland.com from Bill Simmons. They did one on the late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s magic, Orlando magic with with Shaq and Penny. It's a fabulous, fabulous read. I didn't realize that Shaq and Penny, they only played three years together. And I, yeah, it seemed like they were there yeah. longer together. But then you're like, well, no, because yeah. Shaq, you know, in 96 left for L.A. But fantastic read. I heavily, heavily recommend that. Um, haven't quite finished it. Um, I started it yesterday, day before yesterday, and read uh, quite a bit of it before we came on tonight. But, yeah, uh, I saw that, too, and we'll finish it up tonight or tomorrow. But yeah, getting all those perspectives from the the management, mm-hmm. the guy, 
uh, all those former players, Nick Anderson, everybody chiming in and, and giving their thoughts. That was it's really good stuff. I'm definitely I'm glad you mentioned that because it's you know it just sucks you right in. Love reading that kind of stuff. Well, that'll do it for tonight, folks. We hope you had a enjoyable time listening. Appreciate everybody giving us their ears. Um, if you missed anything, check it out. Uh, we got the link up. We'll tweet it out again. The link to this show specifically, or the link to all of our shows. BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/CatsTalk. And also check it out on iTunes. Hop on there and uh, give us a rating if you like. Uh, check out our guy Cameron Mills and Johnny Pittman. Get their show a rating as well. Uh, friends of the show, I appreciate them listening and definitely check them out on Saturdays on Fox Sports 1580 in Lexington. Uh, we enjoyed having Eric Vincent on and enjoyed hopefully you guys listening and TB man enjoyed. Dropping knowledge and exchanging tweets and talking coaching rants and NBA playoffs and UK baseball and UK softball and all your above, <laughs> which right. is tonight this week, man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I hope you and the missus and the little missus have a good rest of the week, a good weekend, and uh, look forward to hollering at you again this time next week. All right, Vinny, you take it easy. Another great show. Hey, same here, man. You too. Thanks again for listening, everybody. To Cats Talk, Vinny and Terry, on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network and blogtalkradio.com. See y'all next week.